You're listening to Below the Radar, a knowledge mobilization project recorded out of 312 Maine. This podcast is produced by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement. Below the Radar brings forward ideas to encourage meaningful exchanges across communities. Each episode, we interview guests on topics ranging from environmental and social justice, arts, culture, community building, and urban issues. This podcast is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Hi there, this is Am Johal from SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement. Uh, for this episode, we chat with Sharon Gregson of the Coalition of Child Care Advocates of BC about policy change around uh, advancing sustainable infrastructure to provide affordable child care for parents across the province of BC. Sharon's a former Vancouver School Board trustee and a longtime advocate for child care in BC over many decades, uh, currently working on the $10 a day child care plan. Thanks for joining us and hope you enjoy. Hi there, welcome to Below the Radar. We're really excited to have Sharon Gregson uh, with us today, a longtime um, activist uh, advocate with the Coalition of Child Care Advocates of uh, BC. In fact, I first remember uh, meeting Sharon somewhere around 1995 when I was on the student union at UBC at a Canadian Federation of Students um, conference where she was talking on exactly the same topic. So that would put it about 23 and a half years ago. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And my life has hardly moved on. I'm still talking about exactly the same thing. Exactly. Thanks for that reminder. Yeah, it's it's really great to have you um, here with us, Sharon, because you really have a sense of the long moment of policy change uh, in the province and and there's probably been uh, moments where it didn't feel like uh, there was going to be traction on the policy change during particular political periods and there was probably some private sector incentivization things in in moments and now we're in this um, time period where there's actually a, a finance minister in BC who used to be the director of child care uh, for the province, spent a lot of time uh, on the school board in Victoria, and you've spent a lot of time on the school board uh, here in Vancouver. But wondering if you can speak a little bit uh, before we get into um, the policy changes happening in BC now, in terms of when you were doing advocacy work back in the in the 90s, in terms of what did that um, look like and what were some of the advances made then, just so we can contextualize kind of mm-hmm. how big the changes are now that, that, that are happening and how they're rolling out. Mm-hmm. So my advocacy started in the late 80s as a single parent with two young children. And at that time, so if I go that far back, uh, there was almost no public support for quality affordable child care. Government was barely involved at all. They had a little bit of maintenance grant and there was some subsidy available for very poor families. Um, but it was really uh, a matter of if you've had kids, it's kind of you're on your own. It's nobody else's business. So from where we were then to where we are now is, you know, it's fabulous that we've, you know, we're in the 21st century and actually thinking about and doing good public policy on these issues. Um, But in the intervening years, um, there certainly have been some dry periods around childcare advocacy. Um, But as um, Michael Campbell once called us, um, we are tiresome 
child care advocates. Um, and the only way to really be an activist or an advocate and hope, I think, to achieve goals over the long run is to be tireless, relentless. And that is what the Coalition of Child Care Advocates and our allies have been on this issue. Um, and so even in those arid periods where it didn't look like we were making any progress, in fact, we were taking steps backwards in this province, um, it really just um, solidified the the need to continue to to advocate um, the you know, after elections where we weren't as successful as we hoped this issue would be, it the child care crisis or chaos as we now describe it still existed the day after those elections. Um, it still existed um, despite bad public policy, and so there was no choice but to keep going. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of um, how you looked at um, pushing for particular policy uh, changes, there's, you know, oftentimes in, in Canada, Quebec is used as an example of something to aspire towards. But there uh, obviously were uh, areas in other parts of the world that you look to as well. Mm-hmm. And you think about what a mature uh, child care policy, uh, public policy would, would look like. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering if you can speak a little bit to uh, what are the, the the places in the world that are doing this in a really innovative and interesting way that we ought to be uh, aspiring towards mm-hmm. in terms of policy here in BC? So one of the things that we did in um, in launching the ten dollar a day childcare plan is a lot of research um, uh, and and fact gathering around just that. What is what are success stories in other parts of the world? What can we learn from and incorporate into a made in BC model? And so we looked at what has um, happened around public policy in New Zealand, in France. We looked at the Scandinavian countries. We even looked at what's happened in the UK. Um, certainly looked at Quebec, even looked at Manitoba around the way they've capped fees. And so we were able to take pieces of those successes because um, there was there are some places where um, they are doing extraordinary work that is impacting people's lives very positively, and the outcomes are, for children are showing that. Uh, and so uh, incorporated that into what was called at that time the community plan for a public system of integrated early care and learning, which very quickly became branded as the $10 a day plan. Mm-hmm. It seems to me so interesting that uh, when... There are people who are trying to make economic um, arguments against supporting a kind of publicly uh, subsidized uh, model that the amount of money that families are spending on childcare in terms of their disposable income is being taken away from other parts of the economy that it could be uh, spent in. I'm wondering the various kind of registers in which you tried to um, advocate or uh, make these changes because building a broad consensus is, is kind of complicated, but there's, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure beyond people on the progressive left that there are uh, conservatives and business groups that have supported these policies as well from time to time. Yes, and so it's very interesting we look at the history of childcare advocacy, that it has moved from just being about doing the right thing for children and around um, children's de- healthy development. It's incorporated now research on brain development, for example, and the importance of socialization. But beyond that, it's also, of course, looked at um, women's equality and human rights, and also brought in very substantially the economic argument, because there really isn't an economic argument against childcare anymore. Um, it's all about the benefits of investing in early childhood education, whether you look um, short term around ben- 
parents having greater income to spend in other ways in their communities and a bit of an economic engine for communities, or whether you look long-term that we're growing healthier people who are more likely to be productive as adults in the workforce. So whether you take the short view or the long-term view, uh, all the evidence is in favor of the benefits of investing in quality um, early childhood education. And the word quality is what's important because the research out of Quebec as they've moved um, away from investing in the more um, publicly delivered um, not-for-profit services and into the more for-profit services, they have had issues around quality. And that is that is coming back to roost. And so we really need to make sure that as we um, advocate for and support public expenditure into the early years, uh, for all the right reasons, that we're careful about spending taxpayers' money in the right way where we know we get the the benefits, and that is into high quality. And we know all kinds of research around what what we mean by high quality is it's more likely to be not for profit um, and um, you know good environments, uh, play based pedagogy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Now, in terms of um, how the policy rollout is happening uh, in BC, it's happening in a staged way. So. Uh, some people are uh, seeing the benefits of the $10 a day, and in other places it's going to be rolling out a little bit later. But I'm just wondering for our, our listeners who um, uh, may not have all of the information in terms of how to describe where we are at in mm-hmm. the process and where you see it going. Mm-hmm. Well, where we started was that childcare was almost entirely just left into the marketplace. And so childcare really was, a, and in some places still is to some degree a commodity so if you had enough money to buy what you needed um, then you maybe were okay unfortunately there's was a massive um, discrepancy between um, supply and demand so where most families need some form of non-parental child care uh, the actual supply was very limited and so um, it, just was a complete failure in the marketplace. And so, and the $10 a day plan has provided the template for government to follow as they start to build their plan, which they're calling Childcare BC. So while it's true that um, there are a number of initiatives that have happened, the first big one that started in April of 2018 was called the Fee Reduction Initiative. And that was an excellent piece of public policy. It lowered the cost the lowered the fees, parent fees, in almost all licensed childcare across the province um, for children zero to three and children three to five. It didn't include preschool, uh, the part-time program, or school-age childcare, but it covered a lot of childcare, the most expensive kind of childcare, and reduced fees by up to three hundred and fifty dollars a month for all families. Good public policy because it was universal; it covered all those age groups, and it didn't require parents to fill out forms. Uh, it wasn't income tested, just like elementary school, it applied to all children who are in those licensed programs. So that was excellent. And then in September of 2018, um, a sort of super subsidy was launched for families who have um, net incomes of under 111, sorry, gross incomes of up to $111,000 a year. Um, It eliminated fees for families earning $45,000 a year or less um, and made childcare really affordable. So 
For the first initiative, that impacted families of 50,000 children in our province. A massive, massive improvement. And then the affordability benefit, the super subsidy that started in September, impacted tens of thousands of more families. So two very important affordability initiatives. The other thing that has happened is something called a wage enhancement for early childhood educators who are some of the poorest paid professionals in our in workplaces. So an average wage across the province of 17 or $18 an hour, some educators still working for minimum wage, and yet they're caring for our children who we say are our most important resource. So a uh, dollar an hour wage enhancement was launched uh, for September, and there'll be a second dollar an hour coming in April of 2020 for early childhood educators. So that's great because we need to invest in the workforce. And there's all kinds of other workforce investment strategies that are happening, which are very, very welcome. So that's the affordability piece for families is being dealt with. The investment in the workforce is being dealt with. And then the third piece is we need more licensed spaces because there's still such long waiting lists in every community around the province. And so um, there is a, a significant call out now, particularly um, funding available for public partners, so school districts, local governments, First Nations, um, health authorities to start creating those new uh, spaces for families. So lots happening um, and really good news happening. Yeah. For um, parents who uh, aren't fitting in the current programs or the aspects of the rollout that are happening uh, now, uh, what are things that they can look uh, forward to as it moves into a more universal model over the right. next few years? Right. So um, the other important thing that's happening now is prototypes. So I should just touch on that first. So um, as of November 1st, 2018, government announced 53 sites that are being called prototypes of universal $10 a day childcare. And so that's the children, uh, impacting children of about 2,500 um, families uh, across the province. And where in those prototype sites, families pay no more than $10 a day. So really testing out the 10 a day model uh, in a variety of different um, auspices. So the not-for-profit sector, public institutions, for-profits, uh, and First Nations. So that's fabulous. But for parents who aren't in one of those prototypes and, and experiencing $10 a day childcare, um, or they're on a waiting list for childcare, um, what can they look forward to? Uh, and so that really comes down to the explanation of why advocacy doesn't stop because we had one great year uh, in, in public policy change. So we've really framed what has happened so far in British Columbia as year one of a 10-year plan. And so it's really important that the momentum continue and that as advocates and supporters of quality, affordable childcare, that we continue to create that political space for politicians to continue the investment and continue building the system. We always said you can't fix childcare chaos in BC overnight. It's going to take more than one year to fix it. We have a 10-year plan to get from where we were the complete chaos that was allowed to happen in this province to where we need to be to serve all families. So um, I would encourage then families who don't yet have access to make sure that they're talking to their local MLA, talking to their local mayor, and talking to the local chair of their school district to say, hey, we want our public partners to be working to create more childcare in our communities. There's funding available. Um, 
in order to create more spaces, but we need school districts and local governments to step up and take advantage of those grants to make that happen. Um, and we need to continue to put pressure on the Premier and the Finance Minister to make sure that in Budget 2019 and Budget 2020 and on and on that childcare is prioritised. We're looking for $200 million a year um, until we get to that 10-year mark so that we've actually got the ability to create the system that meets the needs of families. Yeah, I was just going to ask about the budget and um, uh, is that the level that you're looking at from each level of government or is that a total amount of funding um, yeah. from the and I, my third sort of question was just going to be around what is it that municipalities can do to lay the groundwork for the policy rollout to be better because around zoning to other types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and some cities are involved um, directly, at least partially, in the provision of, of childcare or at least advancing it. What is mm-hmm. it that at the municipal level um, mm-hmm. governments can be doing as well mm-hmm. to help advance this? So because childcare was really a non-system, um, it isn't really the long-term solution to think about um, uh, the gov- provincial government giving grants to uh, municipalities or school districts or even to individuals or not-for-profits to create childcare spaces. So we really um, go to the analogy of an elementary school. So when a, a new community is being built, new houses being created, uh, and it's known that families are moving into a neighborhood, creating a new neighborhood, you don't have to get a bunch of parents who come together to say, hey, we really need an elementary school, let's apply for a grant, and we'll find some teachers, and we'll find, we'll hire an architect, and we'll talk to the city and get some land, and between us all, we'll we'll create an elementary school and hire teachers and um find a curriculum and, and we'll make that happen in our community. That doesn't happen, right? We have a system where uh, it's identified um, by a district that we're going to need a new school here, this provincial funding to apply for, there's a system that, you know, has a template for what schools should look like and process for hiring teachers and, and on and on. So we really have to move towards system building for childcare. Um, and so there's a, right now there's, there is a role for school districts and municipalities because, of course, the $10 a day plan calls for the governance of childcare to be uh, through school districts and the Ministry of Education. Your first question, I think, is what are we looking for? Uh, so it's $200 million a year. Uh, that's from the provincial government. Some of that might end up being federal dollars because, of course, the feds have a role to play in childcare. And let's not forget that when parents go to work, and still we're predominantly talking about when birth parents' mothers go to work, um, they're paying federal as well as provincial income taxes. And so it's quite appropriate for the feds to step up and invest in um, early childhood education, which they're doing now. Um, we had no investment when Stephen Harper um, was the prime minister. Under a Justin Trudeau government, we're getting $51 million a year, which isn't much, but it's better than zero. Um, and so that's that's all very helpful. So we need the feds to continue or to step up their investment. Um, the two hundred million dollars a year on top of what was committed in budget 2018 over a 10-year period will get us to where we need to be. So right now, childcare in British Columbia looks a lot like meeting the needs of families who work Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, there needs to be an expansion in childcare that is uh, Saturdays and Sundays that accommodates people doing shift work, early mornings, late evenings, um, families who only need occasional childcare, people who just need mornings, people who just need evenings. We don't have the flexibility in a system to do that yet. And so 
um, continued budget investments allows the system to grow, not just to meet the nine to five families, but to meet the needs of families in diverse communities. It might be in um, Tumblr Ridge, where families work, you know, parents work 12 to 12 in the mine. Uh, and so, you know, we've, we've got a lot of growth that needs to happen. That was a long answer. No, Sorry. no, it's a very a good answer. The, uh, the question also that I had was around, you know, you having sat on school board as well. You know, we have examples in Vancouver like Strathcona Community Center and the elementary school or Britannia where childcare services are right adjacent to mm -hmm. the school or sort of part and parcel built in as part of the model and the kind of uh, ease with which uh, parents can function in day-to-day -day lives in terms of uh, accommodating their kids and pickups and drop-offs you know my my sister has a two and a half year old soon to be three and just all of that kind of complexity and 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 busyness and the daily lives of, of parents you know what more could school boards be doing in relation to advancing the child care agenda for those who aren't yet in kindergarten could there be public infrastructure used in a way that um, advances the broader um, direction of the child care uh, agenda in the province well, smart school districts already see the writing on the wall. They know that um, childcare is moving closer and closer to their to their world. And the School Act is already responsible for early learning, um, and so to move early childhood education into the Ministry of Education through the governance structure of school districts and school boards is absolutely going to happen. It, that's the way childcare is delivered through most of Canada now. Most provinces and territories have a childcare department or division within a ministry of education. There's First Nations on Vancouver Island, um, who have the, the Shamanist First Nation, who have already put childcare into their department of education. It's the way of the future. Um, and we're calling on the Minister of Education to announce the date where that would happen in British Columbia. So many school districts are already stepping up. If we look at Victoria, they're building their own portables to accommodate early childhood education, so children zero to five uh, on their uh, school grounds. If we look at Revelstoke, for example, they've got a school where they've got childcare programs and early learning programs happening right in their elementary school. Uh, we already look at what's happening with high schools that have got young parent programs right on site. Um, and so it's very much... Uh, it has been a, an organic kind of growth that school districts have recognized uh, what happens to children before they start kindergarten matters on how successful they're going to be when they start kindergarten. And so have moved more and more to um, invite and welcome early childhood education programs, childcare programs into school buildings and onto school sites. And of course, school age childcare for children in kindergarten through grade one, through grade seven, um, has long been on school grounds and school property. The difference though from with the system that we're suggesting is that it isn't just a matter of, uh, well, we've got an empty classroom this year, so we'll put some childcare in there. And then when we need it back for grade three or grade six, the childcare program will have to leave. Uh, we're talking about actually embedding early childhood education into the school system. And so you know, when a school population goes up, the principal doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, we're too full. We can't do grade five here anymore. Grade five kids will have to go somewhere else. Uh, the, the school accommodates that growth or another school is built nearby to accommodate the growth. Uh, and so that's the way we need to start thinking about childcare too. It isn't, uh, it's long past the time where 
um, childcare was just in church basements or in uh, crappy portable buildings that weren't good for anything else. Um, it's being recognized now as an integral part of lifelong learning, and its proper home is within the Ministry of Education. And how would you, you know, in looking at um, uh, advocating for childcare the past few decades, uh, Sharon, how would you um, see the differences in terms of what the urban and the rural needs are for childcare? You know, obviously there's mm -hmm. a lot of similarities, but mm -hmm. uh, just the nature of the province, the geography, um, in terms of are there particular needs in rural areas mm -hmm. that uh, need modification to fit those local contexts mm -hmm. uh, that are different than urban centers? Mm -hmm. Well, I had the great fortune last summer to visit the Peace Region, um, working on a, a project um, with the Union of BC Municipalities, and we visited Fort Nelson on the Alaska Highway and Fort St. John and Dawson Creek and Tumbler Ridge and, and Taylor, um, small rural and remote communities. And there definitely are more similarities than differences. And those communities have not enough licensed spaces. Uh, they have fees that are unaffordable for many families. And they have difficulty re attracting and retaining qualified early childhood educators. So those are the similarities. The differences um, are that in some ways those problems are uh, exacerbated by being rural and remote and small. So even more difficulty attracting um, and retaining early childhood educators when people don't have any way to get their ECE education in their local community and they leave and then so to get that ECE training and then they don't come back. Um, or... Um, transportation, for example. So um, in the winter, um, where there's school buses to take children to their local elementary school, you can't put a two-year-old at the side of the road waiting for their school bus to take them to, to their childcare program. And so transportation, as pointed out in Dawson Creek, is a particular issue. Um, and I think we one of the reasons why we're advocating that the provincial government do a, a second round of prototype announcements, the $10 a day universal childcare models, is because in their first announcement, there aren't any prototypes that are north of Burns Lake. And so I, I think we want to make sure that as we're testing out universal childcare in the province, that we're making sure we include northern communities as well. So, um yeah, it's this more similarities and differences, but we're cognizant of the of the additional challenges. Yeah, you've touched on this uh, a little bit, but since we are going into a federal uh, election year, if we had Prime Minister Trudeau and Finance Minister Bill Murnau here and Premier Horgan and Finance Minister Carol James, uh, what would you be um, telling them in terms of what they need to do in terms of advancing childcare, not just provincially, but nationally in terms of policy direction and uh, kind of what you'd like to see in the budget? Mm -hmm. Well, for Premier Horgan and Carol James, I would say keep up the good work. Um, they're definitely on the right track. Um, during the provincial election, um, John Horgan committed to implement the $10 a day plan uh, and 
the Child Care BC program that we're seeing developed is based on that plan and uh, is is heading in the right direction. It's not perfect, but it's definitely heading in the right direction. To Trudeau and to um, Federal Finance Minister Morneau, I would say you need to step up. Um, there are um, some great things happening across this country, like in British Columbia, like in Quebec, like in PEI, and there are some terrible things happening. We've just seen in Ontario an announcement where um, child care providers who are unlicensed and unregulated can now start taking in more children um, with a profit motive. Um, and so um, this is an area where that would really benefit from um, the the national organization Child Care Now's recommendation, which is around some standards across the country. Um, because a it doesn't matter which province or territory you're in, there are more similarities and differences um, around needing fees to be affordable, there to be quality licensed spaces, and educators to be um, appropriately educated themselves uh, in child development and appropriately compensated for their important work. So those three fundamentals are the same wherever you go in this country. Uh, and so having some national standards and having um, some provincial um, funding um, and territorial funding that allows provinces to augment what they're doing with some uh, dedicated funds would be very appropriate. If our uh, listeners wanted to get involved in supporting uh, the efforts of the Coalition of Childcare Advocates of BC, how do they get a hold of you and how can they get involved? Right, so we have an online petition at tenaday.ca, so that's the number 10, tenaday.ca, uh, and if for people who aren't going to go to rallies or um, send letters to the editor, what everybody can do is go online and add their name um, to that petition, which um, helps us speak with a louder voice. Um, and it's, it is really significant to take those actions. So these days, it's so easy to do with one click the letter to the editor or the emails to politicians. And as a former politician, uh, I can say that those things do make a difference, and it's a way to have the voices heard on, on this very important issue. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us here at uh, 312 May. It's a pleasure to um, see you again in, in person, and I just want to say you're such an inspiration uh, to be around in terms of uh, the incredible work you've done on this issue. So I would just add that it isn't, of course, me doing it alone. I work with a, a brilliant feminist collective, um, and uh, it's, this is a group effort. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That was my conversation with Sharon Gregson from the Coalition of Childcare Advocates of BC. You can learn more about Sharon's work on $10aday.ca. That's 10, the number 10aday.ca uh, website. You can find the link in the description of this episode as well. Thanks to our production team, Jamie Lee Gonzalez, Melissa Roach, and Maria Cecilia Saba, and to Davis Steele for our great theme music. Uh, thanks to our listeners for tuning in, and we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Mm-hmm.